plays the game for big money. For keeps. Stay out of his way. Mean mother. He knows where it's at. And even the syndicate can't bust him. When crooked cops set him up as a patsy, he doesn't play. He blasts. Mean mother. There's one brother they don't mess with. They know better. He speaks softly, but he'll kick your butt if you get in his way. Mean mother. He's cool. And all the uptight chicks are looking for a piece of his action. And it's available for a price. Mean mother. He's cool. He's bad. He's trouble. Mean Hello, mother. Hello, my fellow armed apes. This is your host, Tony, armed ape number one, king of all the armed apes. On today's show... We're going to talk about a few things. I've got a challenge for you at the end of the show. We're also going to talk a little bit about trying to get out of debt. Uh, We'll read some emails that we got, and we'll also talk about some uh, YouTube reviews, as well as uh, setting up some reviews uh, for in the future, uh, things that we can throw out. Also, uh, if you want to contact me about what you think would be a good review, uh, go ahead and do that. So let's go ahead and kick it off. Let's start with uh, a little bit of my contact information. If you want to get a hold of me, the best way to do it right now is to send me an email or an MP3. And you can do that at thearmedape at gmail.com. And that's all one word, so thearmedape at gmail.com. If you do an MP3 file and it's kind of big and your email provider is saying, ah, it's too big to send, What you can do, there's a place called transferbigfiles.com. And the way that it works is you basically upload your MP3 file to them. And you give them, if you're sending it to me, you would give them my email address. And then what they do is they send me an email saying, hey, so-and-so sent you uh, uh, an MP3. I then go to their site and download it. So basically what we're doing is we're just uploading something to their server and then downloading it so it doesn't necessarily go through email. Uh, So that's a a good way to get around it. Now I've used this a bunch of times and it works really quite well. So speaking of emails and transferring stuff, uh, on the last show I'd asked about, uh, since we didn't really have any reviews set up, I'd asked if anybody had done any traveling with firearms. And I did get one response. I got a response from Miguel. And I'm going to go ahead and read his response. And then after that, what we'll do is we'll cover some of the other emails that we got. And after that, I think we'll take maybe a quick musical break. All right, Miguel wrote in and he talks about his experience with uh, traveling with a firearm. And I'm just going to go ahead and read it. Now, what he does in 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 the body of the email, he used a lot of the abbreviations for... um, the different airports, and he talks about that he lives in Portland, and he's traveled to Boise, and he's also traveled to West Palm Beach. Uh, now, so it says, I live in Portland, and I have traveled to Boise and West Palm Beach several times with my XD and my HK-45. I can tell you that traveling with firearms on Southwest through PDX is about as easy as possible under Homeland Security. It's almost as if the PDX CTX crews are all firearms owners. 
In Boise, it's a bit more involved as the firearm case and enclosing bag have to be hand-wiped by the TSA agent for explosives. In one case, I had the blue surgical glove TSA agent completely empty out one of my stuff sacks full of dirty underwear. I warned him and wipe it with the explosive detection wipe. Is shit an explosive? Well, in some cases it is. Uh, it's odd that Idaho, being a conservative, gun-friendly state, and they accept other people's uh, concealed carry licenses, is so backward in checking firearms at their capital's airport. While Portland, being super super liberal, excuse me, and Oregon doesn't accept other states' uh, concealed carry license, is so smooth. So so much for stereotyping. Still, the Boise TSA agents are professional and friendly. Uh, Boise even has mobile security screening patrols after you pass through their main security gates. So you might have to air out your dirty laundry twice at Boise. At uh, PBI, which I believe would be uh, Palm Beach, so Florida, it's even more complex. Again, this is odd for a gun-friendly state like Florida. I had to wait a long time, which was a bit irritating, because the ticket agent had to summon a baggage handler from the bowels of the airport to come up and escort me back down to the basement where their CTX machine was located. I waited again outside the door until the handler returned and told me everything was clear, after which I had to return upstairs to the gates. I'm guessing the CTX scans are used to determine if the firearm is unloaded and the ammunition is properly secured according to the TSA policies. I noticed that ammunition registers as a blue region on the CTX monitors as I watched my bag being processed at uh, PDX once. Anyway, I don't absolutely need to bring my firearms on some trips, but I try to bring it with me every time, if only to remind the ticket agents and TSA that here is one more law-abiding citizen with a firearm. I feel that if law-abiding gun owners don't exercise the system, then airports will treat future gun owners more like criminals, and airports like Boise and Palm Beach will only get worse. I hope that someday I will be able to fly into ORD with my, uh, with my firearm without fear of confiscation by the Chicago police. I don't understand why, if we're vetted by the FBI as concealed carry license holders, we can't enjoy the same privileges that were once offered to clear passengers. Uh, in fact, if our firearms were loaded with frangible ammo, I don't see why we couldn't board aircraft with our firearms. Uh, and just as an aside, for those guys, of you guys that are listening and don't know what frangible ammo is, it's ammunition that uh, the bullet, so that the projectile that actually comes out of the, the end of the firearm, uh, is designed to penetrate flesh, but if it hits something hard, it's designed to disintegrate. So that's what frangible ammo is. Uh, it says, I don't see why we couldn't board aircraft with our firearms. Just like on the ground, no idiot, with or without a concealed carry license, would start firing on a plane or behave in any other dangerous manner. If there are other travelers on board, that could instantly kill them. With all the flying that I do, I would uh, pay to take a special course, something like Thunder Ranch, to obtain a special federal CHL, or concealed carry license, if that allowed me to carry my firearm on board the aircraft. United Flight 93 doesn't have to happen again. Anyway, that's just me dreaming. The real world is still controlled by sheeple that don't mind being told by the TSA how to speak, dress, and pack their not-so-personal items. 
And he says, thanks so much for putting out the Firearms Cafe. And again, that was uh, from Miguel in Portland. So thanks a lot, Miguel, for writing. You made a lot of good points. Um, you know, I do agree with you. I think that we should be able to uh, carry armed on the plane. And uh, I think having something like a special course that you would take uh, and, and you would have a license that would allow you to do that would be a really good idea. Again, if you look at people that go to the time and the trouble to get their to get their permit to be able to carry, you're not going to throw that away. Uh, so, but you know, again, with with the current situation, I, it's probably never going to happen. But it is it is fun kind of to uh, to dream. All right, so let's go ahead and let's take a look at a couple of the other emails that we got. And I got one from Mike the other day, and uh, basically he was just saying that he encourages me to go ahead and do the show, that he enjoys it, so I appreciate that. I also got one from uh, Chris, and Chris had asked about when I uh, had taken a firearm, I, uh, my revolver when I went to Montana, and on my last show that's what I talked about going up there, what I actually took. And what I took was I had a, a Smith & Wesson, 357 and that was a 686 and it has a six inch barrel and uh, that was a re it's a really nice revolver it's uh it's of course a double action revolver which means that you when you pull the trigger it can put the hammer back and fire it all, all in one trigger pull as opposed to a single action where you would have to cock the hammer of it back with your thumb and then the trigger just releases the hammer uh, so that's what i had chris so thanks for writing also jerome had wrote in saying that since he didn't use a uh, he didn't use iTunes to download the show, if I could set up a download link on the website so that he could do it because he uses a Sony PSP to listen to stuff. And I'm sure that there are probably others out there that maybe don't have iPods or don't go through iTunes or something like that. Part of the problem that I had had with that is I had been using a a plugin through WordPress that allows me to publish the podcast and do all that stuff. And that was called PowerPress, and it was through Blueberry. When I did that, and I, it was working fine for the first couple of shows, and then I did an upgrade, and for whatever reason, once I did the upgrade to WordPress and also did the upgrade to uh, the Blueberry PowerPress, it won't publish it to iTunes. It won't even uh, publish it to the website. So the player and stuff pops up, but it's saying that it can't it can't access the uh, the file or whatever reason. So what I had to do was I went and I used a different uh, podcasting plugin, and it's actually called Podcasting. And I had to kind of work through some of the nuts and bolts of that. But there should be a way now to where if you go to the website, that you should be able to you can not only listen to it there if you want. But you can also download it. So I was able to to set that up. And because I hadn't used that thing, there was a few little little kind of tricks and stuff to get that download link to show up that you had to do. Uh, but that should be up and running right now. So, And that would be another thing. If you are going through iTunes, you may see a bunch of the stuff kind of repost a bunch of times. And that's just because I'm trying to you know, work things out or do tests and things like that. What I'd like to do is be able to eventually go back to Blueberry because it gives me actual stats on who's downloading it, how many people are doing it. Right now, I don't really have a way to, to find that out. So that would be another thing. If anybody out there knows a little bit more about that stuff and could help me out with that, or if they know uh, the trick to getting uh, PowerPress with Blueberry to work, 
to get that to work for me. If you could let me know, that'd be great. Also, or if you know of just another plugin that will let that will go to my website and, and do the stats and stuff for me, uh, let me know on that. I couldn't really find anything. Maybe I'm just not looking in the right place because I don't know how to search for it properly. Well, good going, stupid. Uh, all right. Well, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and play a quick song. And uh, when we come back from that, we'll talk about uh, maybe how I'd like the reviews to go. Uh, and then we'll do uh, YouTube. We'll talk a little bit about YouTube. And uh, maybe we'll take another quick break from there. Then we'll talk about getting out of debt. And we'll also talk about the challenge that I've got for you guys for um, oh, maybe about the next couple of weeks or so. Shotgun Johnny's kind of one, two, three. You better run like hell. It's either you or me. He's taking them all down, taking names. to the show my fellow simians let's talk a little bit about reviews now you can review pretty much anything you want as long as you own it and have had experience with it and it could be something that you owned in the past and took back it doesn't have to be a glowing review you can say you know this thing totally sucked it was a piece of shit and it never worked blah 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 you can do whatever you can say hey the thing is good um, but you know customer service is total crap you know, at the company, blah, 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 whatever it wants to be. However, what I do want to have is I want that format to be the same so that, again, we always have consistency. So the format is, let's say that you're going to review a, uh, let's just use a buck knife, like a 110, the, the old 110 folders. And in fact, maybe next week, that's what I'll do a review on, is on the buck knife 110. So what you would want to do with using this for an example is you'd say, Remember, the questions that we want to ask are, what was it designed to do? So basically, what, what is it? What was it designed to do? And how well does it do that thing? So those are the first two. And then the, the, the last two things are, what are the bad things about it? 
And then the fourth thing, or the last thing I want you to talk about then is, what are modifications that I think could be done to make it better? Or, going along in that vein, these are the modifications that I did to this thing, and now it works better for me. So again, we want to talk about what was it designed to do? Fucking dog. We don't want to talk <laughs> my neighbor's dog. We want to talk about what was it designed to do? How well does it do that thing? What are the flaws or what are the things that are bad about it? And then what would I do to change it to make it better? Or what are the actual modifications that I did do to make it work better for me? And if we stick with those things, I think we'll really be able to cut through a lot of the BS. And, you know, I get caught up in that stuff, too, sometimes. You know, you you look at something and you think, man, if I just had that one piece of equipment or if I just had this deal, my life would be so much easier. It would be easier for me when I go camping or out in the woods or do whatever. Uh, And sometimes we fall for that marketing. But I think if we can stick to those things that I just mentioned before, Especially that, you know, what does it do? How well does it do it? What's bad about it? What can be approved about it? These are my modifications that I did, if I did any. If we stick with those things, we'll be able to cut through all that bullshit. So, um, now, let's talk and move on a little bit about, uh, talk about YouTube. I know a lot of you guys out there listening probably uh, have maybe done YouTube videos already. If you have and you've got some stuff that's review things, Uh, Let me know. Send me an email. Give me your channel name and the name of the video. And then on the next show, what we can do is we can say, hey, uh, you know, John did did his review on his, you know, water purifier that he got. And then we can refer to the the, uh, YouTube thing. And what I'd like to do with YouTube in the future is when we do the reviews, we stick with that same stuff. We stick with that same format so that as a group and everything... Our YouTube videos can be real consistent and we can all kind of tie them together. And again, I don't know, we may event, I may eventually go in and do uh, like an armed ape type thing or something like that. Or probably what would be easiest to do would be to say, uh, you know, this is so-and-so and this is a review for the armed ape podcast. This is about, uh, you know, again, a water filter, a buck knife, a flashlight, my car, anything you want, doesn't matter. So let's talk a little bit about what I think is probably the most important thing or the most beneficial thing that you could ever do for yourself and for your family, and that is to get yourself out of debt. And if you're listening to this and you're a younger person so that you're you're just starting out, you're in your 20s, try and if you can avoid getting mired down in credit card debt, you're going to be so far ahead of the game. Uh, But for some of the other people out there that are older, if you've got credit card debt, that's the number one thing you need to get rid of. Once you can get out from under there and once you sort of set up your budget and figure out how to do that. Now, I, and I can't tell you exactly, well, these are the steps you need to do one, two, three, and everything will be fine because you're going to have to look at your own spending habits. Look at if you've got a lot of credit card debt, how do you get, how did you get there? Um, and you may need to go to a, a, like a credit counselor or something like that to get yourself out. But once you can get yourself out from underneath that credit card debt, and I'm not saying you got to cut them all up. Uh, I would say maybe keep one and make sure that once you get on top of it and you get it all paid off, only buy stuff on that card 
that you you know that you can pay off the next month. And there's other people out there that say you don't need credit cards at all. Just, you know, pay cash or write a check or do whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm not one of those guys. I think it's a, it's a nice convenience. If you have, again, the discipline to, let, to not let it get out of hand. And if, you know... When I was in my 20s, I had kind of had had uh, gotten a lot of credit card debt. And for me, a lot was around, I think it was about 5000 And, you know, you, you get used to being able to have that $5,000 on your credit card and maybe you're only paying 50 60 you know, dollars a month on it. And you just meet that minimum payment. And especially if you don't have a lot of income coming in, that's real. That's a real seductive thing. But you don't want to get under their thumb. You don't want to, to be beholden to them. And so again, work real hard on getting that credit card debt gone. Uh, the way that I did it, and I'll tell you kind of my story about how I did it and how it worked for me, is that I was able to transfer a bunch of, uh, I had like three or four cards, and so my total debt was at 5000 I was able to transfer all that, all that stuff over to one card. And the way I did that was I called the, I called the company that was going to give me the best interest, and I said, "Look, this is what I want to do. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of all these other cards that I've got, and I'm gonna stick with one. And the one that I'm gonna stick with is the one that's gonna give me the lowest interest rate and let me transfer everything over." And I, and I said, "Do you want to be that credit card company, or do I need to?" to cancel this once I get my debt transferred over. And they said, uh, and in fact, because of the amount, they said, we need to talk to a supervisor. They transferred me to that guy, told that guy, this is my plan. He said, hey, no problem. We'd rather have you as a customer than lose you. Uh, so, and I had good, and I had good, good standing with the credit card companies. It wasn't that I wasn't paying them, but I wasn't really making a dent. So once I did that, what I had to do then for a couple of months was I had to really pull back on my spending and kind of build up a little bit of extra cash. I had to kind of do without a few things for a couple of months and then I had a little bit of a buffer and then I could start making bigger payments on there and then I was able, and once I was able to do that and I had that little buffer of cash, I stopped using the card for like three, four months. I didn't buy, I didn't purchase or put anything on it but every month what I would do is I would make a big payment, as big a payment as I possibly could, without going in and really depleting that 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 cash bumper that I had made. And eventually, I was able to do that and get out from under things. Take that for what it's worth. And like I said, if you're a younger person, I guarantee you, if you're in your 20s now, when you're in your 40s, if you have no credit card debt, you're going to be so thankful that you don't. If you wind up in your 40s and you're like most people in this country today are up to your eyeballs in debt, you're going to say, damn it, I wish I would have just listened to somebody when they were telling me this shit and exercised a little discipline and a little control because you're way better off. So anyway, that's going to be kind of it for uh, for getting out of debt type thing. And I talked, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about this on other shows. Uh, and none of this stuff that I'm talking about is like my original idea or anything like this or this big plan that I've come up with. However, I am living proof that this stuff works. I don't have any credit card debt. I have zero credit card debt and I have no car payments. So it can be done and you can get yourself well on the road to being out of debt. Now one final thing before 
I'll go ahead and close up and, and finish up on this subject. Some people would say, well, if credit cards are so bad, why would I bother to even get one in the first place? And like I had mentioned at the start of the segment, there are people out there that say you should never get a credit card. You should stay away from them. But they are very convenient. And in today's modern world, they are necessary. So let me give you a case in point or an example of why it's a good idea to at least have one. And I said earlier, you know, you don't need to cut them all up. But I think you kind of do, and except for maybe one and have it be a visa and the reason i would choose a visa card is it seems that it seems like to me that visa is taken everywhere not everybody takes american express not everybody takes mastercard but i've never been anywhere where the visa sign if they take a credit card they're taking they're going to take a visa card so anyway i'll tell you a little story about what happened to us when we got to montana now the people whose cabin that we were going to be staying at said we have an older Pathfinder. It's got about almost 200,000 miles on it, but it runs. And if you want, you can use that. And, and that way you don't have to rent a car for the week. You'll have something to drive around. You'll save a little bit of money. And they said the only caveat was, is of course it's older, but the people that we last loaned the car to said that they were starting to have a little bit of radiator trouble. And I thought, well, you know, we'll go ahead and, and we'll, uh, we'll use it. And I thought, well, that's not a big deal. If we get there and it, it doesn't work out, we can at least drive uh, to the location where we're going to be, drive out to that cabin, and if we need to, then we can come back in uh, into town and we can rent a different vehicle uh, once we get a better lay of the land, You know, once we see what the actual road conditions were. And one of the main reasons, too, that I wanted to use their vehicle, aside from the money savings, would, was because it was a four-wheel drive. And a lot of times, if you want to get a four-wheel drive from a rental place, you pay through the nose. And I, I didn't really want to do that. So we get there. It's about 20 degrees outside when we, when we fly in. Uh, the vehicle was down at a storage place. So I had to get a shuttle, go down to the storage place. I drive back up. The car is in, it's in okay condition, but it's an older car. So it drives kind of rough, and it's smaller. Um... And I've got the heat turned on, but it doesn't seem to be blowing any cold, I mean, blowing any hot air. It's just kind of blowing cold air. And I thought, well, maybe because it's kind of so cold out and the, the I've only was about a mile or so away, maybe it just hasn't warmed up yet. So I uh, park, get my family, we start heading down the road, and we're going down, and it's about five miles or so, well, maybe not that far, maybe about uh, two and a half, three miles down the road. And it's still just blowing cold air and my wife is is that do you have all the buttons pressed right and i'm like yeah i'm pretty sure i do and so we said well let's just pull off the road here and uh we'll wait and see if the engine heats up and we'll make sure that it's it's going to actually blow some some hot air because believe me we needed we needed the cool the uh, hot air it was just too cold you know my wife and i could have sucked it up but of course we have our little daughter with us and you know i'm not going to make her freeze to death in a car on the way, you know, to and when we're driving around. So once we pull over, all of a sudden just steam just starts pouring out from under the hood. And I'm just like, oh man, you got to be kidding me. So what we needed to do then was we turned around, we, we kind of limped back into the airport, left it in long-term storage where we were, that's how we were going to have it dropped off anyway was to put it there. 
So we had to we ended up then having to go in to the rental area to get a vehicle. Now normally if we're if I'm gonna rent a vehicle, what we'll do is we'll go through Priceline or one of those places or we'll you we'll try and make sure we can get as many discounts and get it for as cheap as possible. But because we're there sort of uh, you know, spur of the moment type stuff, that really wasn't an option for us to be able to, you know, to, to pre-plan and to get like a really good price. And again, I didn't really know the lay of the land. I didn't know what the, the area was going to be like up at the cabin. So I wanted to have something that was going to be a four-wheel drive. Eventually, we got a little Kia Sorento, I think it is, which was actually, I was quite surprised. It was a pretty neat little car. And for a rental, uh, it was plenty roomy for us. I mean, it's, it's sort of, a, for those of you who don't know, a Sorento is just like a small little SUV made by Korea, which uh, made by Kia, which I'm pretty sure is a Korean company. And they don't have that good a reputation, I guess, out there. Some people say, oh, if you bought a Kia, it's not that great. I, I don't know. I thought it was fine. It drove great. Uh, and on the positive side, too, it had four-wheel drive. So I could switch in and out of four-wheel low and four-wheel high and, and regular two-wheel drive. So it was a nice vehicle to have. And the point of this whole story is, had we not had a credit card, I don't know how we would have rented a vehicle. Because when you go in to rent a car, they of course want your driver's license, and they want a credit card. You're not going to be able to pay cash for that, because they want, they want some way to be able to track you. And yeah, they could track you maybe through your, through your driver's license, but they're not going to let you, even if you paid for everything in advance, let's say if it was $500 for the week. Or $600, let's say. Number one, you're probably not going to have $600 of, of cash on you. They're probably not going to take a check for $600. And even if they were willing to do that, which they're not going to be, because what would happen is somebody would come in, they'd drop $500 in cash, throw down a fake ID, they'd drive away with their car and never come back. And then they could they could turn around and sell the car to somebody for five grand. Or have it shipped off, you know, to a chop shop, and and they're you know they're going to do fine. So, for a lot of things in life, and whether you think that that's the way it should be, or or not, you really need to have a credit card. And a credit card, like I said, it can help you uh, get out of a jam, like how it helped us. It can also help you, and I wouldn't recommend doing this. I'd recommend that you have some savings set aside. To where if you did get laid off for a job of a job and it took you a couple three months to get back on your feet, that may be able to make the difference between you being able to meet your mortgage, being able to make your car payments, being able to buy food and put that on the table for your family during that two or three months while you're while you're out looking for work. So that's enough on on the get out of debt with the credit card thing. I don't think they're as evil as everybody thinks they are. But you gotta know what you're doing when you get into them and start using them. And you gotta have that discipline not to fall into that trap of saying, well, man, I want that big screen TV and it's $3,000 and I can whip that on my credit card and not have to worry about paying it off. I don't have to pay that the next month. But what happens is, you know, you can, again, you can be kind of lured into that thing by saying, well, that $3,000, I've only gotta pay 40 bucks minimum payment for a month you know each month and I can afford that again if you're gonna use that credit card make sure that what you're putting on there you can pay off 
in one month at most at most in two months don't try not to ever let that that balance ride more than two months because then all you're doing is you're just pissing away your money you're just giving it to that credit card company in interest okay okay enough jibber jabber on that stuff for now now on a kind of a more related note this is the challenge that I want to give you guys for the next couple of weeks and I'd like you to email me and let me know Number one, if you even wanted to do it, um, and if you were successful at it. So the challenge is this. Try not to pay full price for anything that you buy. And what I mean by that is not that, you know, for the rest of your life, but to start out with, pick a day and maybe say, okay, this Friday or this Saturday, anything that I buy, I'm not going to pay full price for. And whether that means you're using a coupon for when you're going out to Subway with your family and you use a coupon for a buy one, get one free type thing, or you get your drink for free as part of a, uh, part of using a coupon, or you just ask the, the sales clerk at the store that you're at, is this the best price that I can get or are there any unadvertised? And a lot of times people are kind of, they feel a little embarrassed about doing that. But what you can do, a good way to work that in is you can say when you're buying that thing to the salesperson there or to the person who's ringing you up you can ask oh are there any unadvertised sales on this item are there any in-store sales that i didn't see that i can get with this and if they say no then you can say well is this the best actual price that i can get is there any discounts that i can get and it never hurts to ask the worst thing they can tell you is no we don't have any of that and the price is what it is and one of the easiest places that you can save money and one of the places uh, where you can also find a lot of coupons, especially from your little local area newspaper a lot of times that they'll send out, the local merchants there and the, the local restaurants will print up coupons for, you know, a dollar off or again that buy one get one free type thing. And so I would challenge you to, you know, pick it, like I said, pick a day sometime next week and say, either for that whole day or for this meal when we go out to eat we're going to not pay full price for that and then what i want you to do is to take that money that you saved and put it in a jar or put it aside and then if you can do that every week and if you can get in the habit of doing that and each time and the thing that's going to make it work is you have you can't just say oh i saved 30 cents on this or i saved you know 2 bucks on this meal you actually have to take that money that you would have spent anyway and take that and put that aside. And try and do that for a month. Try and do that. If, and I know I said, oh, just try it you know, once, or, once or twice you know, here this coming week. But what I'd like you guys to do is to get in the habit of doing that. And then what you'll find is you know, where I spent a lot of the money was going out to eat for lunch. And a lot of times I didn't use any type of a coupon. And my, now my wife is real big on that. So she'll go out to lunch somewhere and what would have cost her six bucks ends up costing her two or three dollars. So she'll get half off a lot of times just because she's using coupons. But again, the way to make that work is to take that money that you would have spent anyway, put it in a jar, and if you can do that long term, you'll find out that it's pretty easy to save probably about uh, five bucks a week. And you can also use the money that you would have spent maybe on groceries. You know, if you can use a coupon or 
Um, again, that 30 cents off here, 50 cents off here, a dollar off here. Using your, um, oh, what do they call them? Those little uh, club cards, I guess they call them. Like Safeway has them and Fry's and a lot of the grocery stores will have them. That if you use your card, you get an additional discount off their price. Uh, do it that way. Also, pretty much every single store that you go into will at least match the sale price from someplace else. So if you're going into Safeway and you've got a coupon from uh, Fry's or one out here or Ralph's or whatever, most of those other places will take it and they'll, they'll honor that price. And if they don't, you know, what you need to do is later go to that store that will honor them. And, and again, though, take that money, and like I said, it, it becomes pretty easy to save up about $5 a week. And then if you look at that over a course of a year, that would work out to be, let's see, uh, 200 about what, $260 a, a year that you would save, which is nothing to sneeze at. And that's going to be money that you would have normally spent anyway. And this is something that I've recently started doing, and it, it's pretty amazing how quick that money adds up, especially if you've got it at home, you know, in a jar or, you know, in your gun safe or whatever. And then what you need to do is, if you're going to do that, do it at least for a month and see. Because if you just do it one or two times and all you've saved is a couple of bucks, it's not going to add up at all. But if you do it for a month and at the end of that month, you've got an extra 20 or $30 that you normally would have just been gone that's when it starts to add up and it can start to click for you. Anyway, that'll be my challenge for you guys for uh, this week. So for the next show, I'm going to do the official review on a product called the Safe Packer, and that's by Wilderness Tactical. And the size that I have, I have the one that's the government size, or it's the largest one. So if anybody out there has a Safe Packer, uh, go ahead and do that review. Either you know, write me an email and I'll read it out, or you can do an MP3. And again, what we want to, what the points we want to make on the review is, what was this thing designed to do? How well does it do it? What are its shortcomings? What would I like to see changed on it from the company? And then finally, if you did any modifications to it. So what were the modifications that I did to this product that made it better for me? Alright all you sexy bitches out there, I will see you guys hopefully uh, next week. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Oh,